Welcome to the Revenue Accelerators Podcast, a show featuring B2B sales and business leaders. Hosted by Excelogy founder and 19-year sales veteran with leadership experience in strategic enterprise and telecom sales, Deep Trichonod. This show uncovers strategies and techniques business leaders have used to go from zero to one and beyond. If you enjoy this content, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help us reach more people. Revenue Accelerators is brought to you by Excelogy. We help B2B sales leaders improve sales performance by leveraging our patent-pending data-driven sales coaching systems. Find us at www.excelogy.com. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, everyone. Thank you for attending another episode of Revenue Accelerators. Today with me, I have Karen Moore of Compendium as the Director of Sales. Karen, welcome to the show. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. So currently I'm working for Compendium and we're a gift company that focuses on bringing inspirational but not religious gifts to the world. So think of any major life event, whether it's like new baby or graduation or sympathy. Um, we have products that help celebrate those major life milestones um, in an inspiring way. And so I manage the channel sales aspect of that business which means like large retailers that are selling gift products um, all the way down to independent kind of mom and pop shop type retailers. That's awesome. And how long have you been doing that? I've worked for the company three different times. So for a total of about 10 or 11 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Three yeah. different times and you kept coming back for more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the first time was actually because of one of the products that our company developed. Um, it was a book called Five, Where Will You Be Five Years From Today? And at the time, I was just working for the company on a part-time basis. Mm -hmm. And my husband was in real estate. And this was 2008, 2009, when that market completely took a nosedive. And so we filled out this book. It's like a guided, prompted book. And mm -hmm. where you're figuring out like what you've always wanted to do, what are your dreams and your goals. And we were at this crossroads where we needed to reinvent ourselves. And at the top of both of our lists was living in a foreign country. And so we sold our house and our oh car and we packed up our three kids and got hired as teachers in the Philippines for a year. Oh, my gosh. I actually, uh, during, yeah. my, during my brief uh, uh, LinkedIn stalking of you, I did see that. And I was, I was like, yeah. that's because it, it's a little bit, even just reading kind of your, your, your history there, this, this teaching in the Philippines is, is like, wait, this is. Because right before that, I'm literally looking at it right now. Right before that, you were mm -hmm. a business development manager at Microsoft. And then yeah. you're now a teacher in the Philippines. And then you come back. Yeah. To, right. So it's, it's a departure. So, I mean, not to take everybody else on a side journey, but that's, that's amazing. So you, clearly you spent a year in the Philippines with your kids. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind me asking, mm -hmm. are, you, are you okay sharing what ages they were at that time? Yeah, yeah. So we had a our first grader, third grader, and seventh grade. Oh my and so gosh. I was I was my daughter's first grade teacher, and they actually made me elementary school principal too, which I thought was kind of ironic given my limited experience in the teaching realm. <laughs> yeah, and then wow. Rod taught like um, PE and and history and a couple other subjects. So, so, so yeah, we were all kind of lived and uh, went to school together for an entire year. Oh my gosh! And then so 
so why just one year? What, like, I'm kind of curious and why the Philippines? I have so many questions around that. However, yeah. since given that this is really around sales, so I will, I will hold that till <laughs> after this. Um, Sounds good. So, so then you came back to, um, to the States a, a year later. Um, did you just pick up where you left off? Like what, then you went to Compendium at that yeah. point? Right, right. No, they had a marketing director position, which my background had been partner marketing. Um, I had done more account management and sales, but it always mm-hmm. kind of centered around marketing. So they created this role for me um, and just believed in me with my experience in the high tech world was pretty different than the publishing world and kind of took a chance on me. And it was a lot of fun. I did that for about three years. And then the commute was getting a little bit crazy because we lived in a suburb of Seattle. And so I, I went back to the high tech world and a consulting role for a few years. And then um, another role opened up a compendium. I, my heart was really there. I enjoyed the creativity and the people. And so I came back into a role that was a little more my bread and butter. And so that's where I've been ever since. So, so one of the questions I ask everyone that, that comes to the show, is why sales? Like, what, what about sales, if anything, right? Like, because I noticed you were account manager for a little bit. You did business development. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and you mentioned you're on the channel side, on the wholesale side. Um, if you, if you remember kind of what's your experience on the wholesale side versus maybe the transactional, the, the sell to side versus the sell through yeah. side. Um, right, right. And all of that well, even you. at Microsoft, I was in OEM channel sales. So I okay. kind of had that channel component in my background and I've always loved the partner aspect of sales where you're not just selling, you're not just winning a contract, yeah. but how can you strategically sit down with the company figure out what's a win for them, what's a win for you, and kind of create it together. So I've loved that partnership mentality. And now the role that I'm in now, I view myself more as a sales coach, um, even though I'm considered a sales director. And Mm -hmm. I have this team of 100 remote salespeople across the U.S. and Canada. They're not directly employed by Compendium. They're independent contractors. And so my goal is just to come alongside them and help them be successful in the role. And the more successful they are selling our product, the more successful they are as a salesperson. And I, I love that synergy. I love it. So then, so your, your sales kind of leadership role, does it, does it, is, are you responsible for like kids graduating from college like this year, all the way up to like, you know, gray haired sales reps that are just kind of doing what they do and you kind of help them and you're, you're, you're managing those sales motions and that mentoring and that coaching throughout that full spectrum? Or do you have, like, is there a cutoff on either side? Well, in terms of, like, the age of our sales reps? Well, the experience, really, the sales experience. Yeah, yeah. So I would say most are pretty seasoned salespeople, but we have some that have never even been in the industry, and they were just hired on, you know, personality potential and work acumen. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, there's a huge range. Some have been buyers before. Some have been sales reps in other industries. And so you're really, my goal is to teach them how to tell the story of compendium products and get them personally connected to and passionate about our product. And then also how to deliver and add value to the buyers that they're selling to. Because even on the buyer spectrum, like there's all different levels of experience. Oh, yeah. Like some might be a buyer for a big company like Paper Source or FedEx Office or Francesca. So very sophisticated. And then some like just decided to open a business and, a tiny little independent retailer and they don't really have any experience at all. So 
the sales reps are dealing with a full gamut of experience. And then I'm also working with sales reps that have a wide variety of backgrounds. Are, are they mostly independent or are they through kind of um, other organizations that have multiple reps yeah. beneath them? Or is it both combination? Yeah. Thereof? Good question. They're multi-line sales reps. So they might work for a sales agency. And so mm-hmm. Compendium is one of the vendor lines they represent, but they might have 20, 30, or 40 other lines. So maybe they're selling candles and jewelry and apparel along with our gift books and journals. So really our first audience is the sales rep. Um, they're not paid by me. They, they don't report to me. I'm just there to help them be successful, but I also need to get them to care about our product. Yeah, airtime. So I sell to them first. And then, then we sell to the buyer and eventually the customer. So there's really three pronged customers. So I'm, I, I can relate to that wholeheartedly. And um, because my, my, I have experience in the same, like the channel sales, like working through it's a, it's a two part sale. You have to sell to the seller first, who's going to yep. sell your product and then convince them and why your product is better than the other hundred things that they're supposed to be selling and why they're going to get more money on that, how it's easier to sell your product versus the other ones. And so that's your first sale. And then ultimately helping them close those deals with their end customers. And so I can, I can relate and I appreciate that, that sales motion. Um, What are some of the challenges that you run into? um, Or actually, let me take that back. Is there a challenge or is there an anecdote that you can share about some of your experiences that you've learned through this, the channel sales motion um, that you were doing wrong once upon a time. And you've since mm-hmm. learned from that through the school of hard knocks and maybe some, you know, the rest of us, anybody who is li- listening that has a channel role that can help them try and avoid some of the school of hard knocks that you may have had to yeah. go through yourself. I can think of one example. It's kind of painful to remember, but there was a large 500 door retailer customer. It was a shoe company. Mm-hmm. And so we, we base our territories on geography, but when it comes to a key account, which this would fall under that, um, sometimes it's based on which sales rep has the best relationship with that particular buyer. So we had this conflict, like it wasn't falling into the, the territory that was assigned by geography. And I was trying to give the business to the person that had the better relationship but because of our contract, we had to swing it back to the territory. Oh man! And I made the mistake of sharing too much of the behind the scenes drama with the actual buyer. And it, they didn't need to be involved with that. You know, my CEO called it being dragged into the sausage making of compendium. And, <laughs> and so that was a great lesson for me that what I should have done is just confidently said, like, we have a plan for you. We have your best interests in mind. This is what the plan looks like without like getting them all involved in the behind the scenes. So that was a, a good learning a few years back that I've did always it, carried with me. Did that, did that slow the sale down? Did, did you, hopefully you didn't lose it, but it, losing sales is also a, the, one of the best lessons you can learn from, but like, yeah. what was, what was the impact with that end customer, the retailer yeah. of, of yeah. you well, we, we trying to be transparent? Studying. Yeah, that was my goal. I really was. My, my heart was in a very good place trying to be open with them. Yeah. But um, they, they also had a strategic direction change away from gifting because they were that shoe company that had a gifting section and kind of pulled back from that. Mm-hmm. I do think it hurt our sales a little bit, but more because the company we awarded the business to probably wasn't the best fit for the buyer. But sometimes you, you know, you're contractually bound and you, you don't really have that freedom of choice. 
Yeah, that's yep, yep. Uh, I hear you. Um, in that scenario, like the relationship with that company, so it's interesting because you go into kind of the the inter almost political factions and kind of the the influences one way or the other. It's not what's necessarily right for the the end customer. It may not even be what's right for the the partner that that's being selected either. It's just, mm-hmm. and so I I can appreciate that challenge. How do you? I mean, so that that particular learning in was, you know, even though we have all intent to be transparent, in some cases that too mm-hmm. much transparency could be a bad thing. How how have you how have you adjusted going forward? Because that particular scenario that you described of having kind of uh, alignment and affiliations with various partners, you can't necessarily mm-hmm. avoid that. So so how would you or how do you going forward mitigate that kind of how the sausage is being made? Pers- you know, how do yeah, you hide yeah. that while also being transparent? Like, wh- what have you, what have, what have you come to? I think being as upfront as possible in the beginning and realizing that everything is negotiable. And sometimes you have to take a step back and say, and I know our contract terms state that you are assigned to this territory, but this is what we believe is best for the customer. And just coming to that mutual agreement. And that goes back to relationship and having trust. Um, because I think in, in this case, a few years back, I had lost trust with the rep group and mm-hmm. now that's been rekindled. And I think if it were to happen again today, it would end very differently. That's true. You, that would, that would also imply the fact that you're, you're kind of being, I don't know how to articulate this best, but instead of being, showing them how the sausage is made at the cons- customer level, you would also kind of protect your, your channel from exposing to them how the sausage is made also, right? And that helps right. you maintain those relationships across both the in the conflict itself that might arise. Um, yeah. That makes sense. Um, and then in terms of kind of your, your, do you, in your current role, do you also help your, your reps? Do you also help them actually close their end deals as well? Like, are you in the room or on the calls with them, helping them close? And do you do any of the pitches yourself? Is it kind of train the trainer model? Like what's, what, Mm -hmm. what's your role in those, in those transactions? It's a combination. We do have trade show seasons twice a year where I'm going to different shows, meeting directly with the buyers. And I'm either working right alongside the rep and helping fill in. Um, or sometimes I am the person working directly with the buyer because the rep is one person and they might have multiple buyers coming to the show at the same time. Um, but primarily I'm doing a lot of um, training, more of a one-to-many type approach. And I've really tried to be creative with ways to make that scalable because, you know, with a hundred people yeah. and there's one of me and my, yeah. my very effective coworker, we she and I kind of divide those responsibilities, but you know, the days are busy and, and long, and we found we have to be a little smarter about how we deliver those trainings. And so we've gotten creative. So a lot of vendors in our business will do just product training where you're going through the catalog or you're showing a PowerPoint deck. And we decided to try a different approach this last season. And so I actually went on the road with one of our most innovative sales reps, and I learned from her and I interviewed her for two days as she was meeting with customers. I asked her a million questions. And I just captured all these best practices. And then when I came back, I you know, con- co- put all this into one cohesive document and then filled in by talking to other reps across the country. And then our training was based on all of these learnings. And the cool thing about it, it wasn't just about compendium. It's how to be a more effective sales rep for all the different lines yeah. that they're selling. 
So we really captured their interest in a way um, that you don't when you're just focused only on your own product. So we just made it more broad and more relevant and they loved it. We got the best bad feedback we've ever had. I bet because they're, you're, 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 you're helping them improve themselves overall. It's not just teaching them how to sell mm-hmm. compendium. It's more just, it's That's like, right. how do they be? Cause whatever you're teaching them, they could apply to the other hundred products that they're responsible for. Selling exactly. as well, right. And so, yeah, which makes you more valuable actually. Um, I, I heard, I forget where it was. I heard something where there's a study done and recently, even, even for now, and I'm digressing a little bit, but I think it plays into this like progressive insurance, I believe um, provides consumers with competitive quotes on their own site, even if those competitive quotes are actually higher. And the reason mm-hmm. they do that is to build that trust. So even if it's a few dollars more that, that they're charging versus state farm or farmer's insurance or whomever it might be. Um, mm-hmm. But the reason they do that is to build that relationship with that, that end customer and sure they could just take that number and go straight to the competitor. Or if it's just within a few dollars, they're like, you know, I'm just going to stick around here because I've like, at least digitally, there's some level of openness that progressive yeah. is established with, with the consumer to where the hope I think is that they'll stick around and you're kind of doing Yeah, they're saving person. them time. So yeah. they don't have to go out and do that research on their own. That's super valuable. Exactly. So, so what, so, so how, so you mentioned part of it is kind of replicating best practices that you see done. Right. But in terms of the, you know, the earlier question I asked you, the spectrum of sales savvy, the sales experience, mm-hmm. you know, seasoned, um, and you mentioned that you're kind of, you're like a coach to them. So how have, have, do they tend to come to you with kind of common sales challenges or like, how do you, or do you preempt those as part of your sales training? How often do you deliver those? Is that every month? Is that every quarter? Yeah. Is it a webinar? What yeah. Is so like? there's two primary training times a year that tie directly to when we're releasing new products. Um, mm-hmm. But I also introduced a quarterly call in between because I wanted more frequent touch points. Again, that kind of one-to-many approach. Um, but I keep it 15 minutes long because even a really busy sales rep, because keep in mind, they've got 20, 30, 40 lines and yeah. other vendors want their time just like I do. So I'm really strict about ending Balance. the call at 15 minutes. And that way you can just go over a few things that they can all keep in their head. You can keep their attention. You can record it if they can't be on the call. And they really have enjoyed those. Another thing that we've done is created product videos because storytelling is such an important component of how to sell an emotional product like Compendium. Yes. Yeah. And we've done it really low tech. Like we literally use an iPhone. They're 30 to 45 seconds long, and we'll do maybe 12 to 15 of them per season. And that way we're romancing the product. We're telling the stories and all they have to do is watch, listen and absorb. But we also were one of the first vendors to put those videos directly into our digital catalog. So the buyer, as they're perusing the catalog, can just click on these different videos and hear it directly from us. So it allowed us to, in a more scalable way, like get our message out there in a way that's going to land correctly. And that helps with all the different experience levels, too. The ones that know our product a little bit better or aren't as savvy as remembering and telling the stories. Yeah, that's huge. And in, in being able to replicate the story, because story is so much, such a huge part of the sales motion, the sales cycle, like the ability to deliver yeah. that story. Um, mm-hmm. and, and if you have the tech to do that, have you guys built that tech? Is that kind of provided? Was it just a vendor? Like, are you using YouTube? Like, how are you delivering yeah. those messages? We're using to- Vimeo. 
Okay. Vimeo is our platform and literally an iPhone with some basic editing and it's, it's pretty low tech, but honestly, I think people pay attention more than if it was super polished. Oh, like oh you totally. You kind of tune that out. This feels more like a friend is sitting down and talking to you about a product. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I love it. Um, Karen, thank you so much. I mean, we're coming up on time. Um, yeah. Is there anything that you'd like to share that I didn't ask you about or that we didn't talk about? Uh, yeah, you know, this is actually just a sales technique that I acquired when I was um, doing kind of a consulting role, like in between Microsoft and this role compendium. Mm -hmm. And it was the concept of the five minute meeting. Because if you're doing any kind of cold calling or outreach, like the hardest thing is getting someone's attention. And yeah. so I was calling on Microsoft and people there were unbelievably busy. But you're almost a little ridiculous if someone approaches you with a five minute meeting and you say no, because like, who doesn't have five minutes? Know, I've true. never heard of anyone else using this technique, but it worked so well. And then I just made sure at the end of five minute, minutes, Gave that time I back. said, okay, yeah, like I told you, this is all the time I would take. And a lot of times they would let me go on. They're like, you know, let's keep going. Because I kind of captured their interest at that point. Interesting. So that would be my one little takeaway that I've is never that heard still, anyone else talk does about. Does that still work? Are you still using that? Is that still like... Well, I don't really need it in the role that I'm in now. Yeah. Um, but it absolutely would work if you were just trying to cold call someone. I thought it worked fabulously. I didn't know oh, these people man. from Adam and they were taking meetings all day long. I got to try it. I got, I appreciate yeah. that, Karen. Thank you so much. <laughs> I was, it was, it was awesome um, hearing your story. And for everyone listening, thank you again for listening um, to another episode of Revenue Accelerators. All right, Karen, thanks so much for participating. Be sure to check us out at www.excelogy.com. 